This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Monday, February the 28th. And first today, it is probably something that's dominated your social feeds over the weekend. Friends might have turned their profile pictures yellow and blue. And you may even have donated to help support the people of Ukraine. It is now five days since Russia invaded the country. Today, delegations from both sides have been meeting for peace talks on the Belarusian border. Kiev says Moscow must withdraw its troops. So what's Kent's role to play then? Well, as hundreds of thousands of people leave Ukraine, there are calls for refugees to be taken in here. Tunbridge and Morning MP Tom Tugendhat says he's been told the UK will likely follow the EU in the coming days by taking in Ukrainian refugees for up to three years. We've been getting reaction today from Bridget Chapman, who's from the Kent Refugee Action Network. She's been speaking to Ish. Everybody I work with has had to make the decision at some point to leave their home Nobody I work with has ever wanted to do it. They've been forced to do it. And they've had to pack minimal possessions and leave everything behind. Um, Jobs, families, um, you know, the places that they know and that they love. And it is an absolutely heart-wrenching decision for them to have to make. They will be going through absolute anguish. But I think initially a sense of self-preservation kicks in. And that's what people are focused on. People are focused on getting onto safety. It may not be until much further down the line that the full impact of, of what they've been through hits them. And uh, my, my heart absolutely breaks for them, as it does for anybody who finds themselves in that situation. It's, and we've seen, I think it's really, really important for us all to think about this. We've seen in Ukraine how quickly things can change for people. And I think that everybody, every one of us needs to think about treating all refugees how we would want to be treated because you never know what's around the corner. Yeah, and and in terms of that response, you mentioned we have the capacity to help. Boris Johnson has said immediate family members of of Ukrainians who have settled here uh, will be allowed to come, but the EU is planning to take in all Ukrainians who fled for up to three years without the need for them to apply for asylum. So what should be the UK government's response? Should they be stepping up as it seems the the EU are? If we accept that, you know, whether we're in the EU or out of the EU, if we accept that we are part of a global community and as part of that global community, we have a duty to help those in need, then we need to be doing a lot, lot more than we're doing at the moment. We accept a relatively small number of refugees in relation to the wealth of our country. And... I think also we have to stop thinking about it as being something that's deeply, deeply problematic. Every person I work with is a massive asset to this country. You know, if people want to come to the UK, frankly, we are really lucky to have them and we should be doing all that we can to make sure that they can get here safely. We should be following the the EU's example. We've got the capacity to do it um, and and we should be doing it. Um, but we need to, I need to be really clear that that I think that there's a lot of public pressure on the government and that's good because I think people 
feel a sense of, of empathy with, with the people of Ukraine. They, they've seen how quickly they're, they're, you know, that they're, they're in Europe, they're not, they're not that far away from us and they've seen how quickly their lives can change. But we need to be equally welcoming of people, whatever background they come from. People fleeing war, conflict and persecution, they deserve to have somewhere safe to go. And we need to be making sure that we do our bit. And how important is it that there are those safe routes quickly established and they know that there is a safe place for them to go, considering we don't know how long this crisis is going to last it's still obviously unfolding we're still seeing shelling in ukraine and you know the numbers of people who are fleeing are only going to increase we, we need safe routes for for everybody that wants to seek asylum in the uk we still see people arriving in boats nobody should be making that dangerous journey i would imagine that unless we find other ways of people from ukraine to get in we will also see them arriving in boats and under the nationality and borders bill anybody arriving that way will be criminalized we shouldn't be turning anybody that is desperate enough to make that journey away and we need to be making sure that they've got a safe route in there's no getting around the fact that we have a moral responsibility we cannot use our geography to abdicate responsibility. Now, this is also going to be the topic of discussion on the lowdown on our Facebook Live from six tonight. And we're asking on socials if it's our responsibility to take in refugees from Ukraine. Let's hear what some of you have had to say. Well, Rebecca has commented. She says, not just Kent, but the whole world that is behind Ukraine can play a part in this. Tino Huntley has said, think it's our responsibility to think of our homeless people and veterans before helping others. Sorry, but we've been ignoring our homeless and veterans for years while putting refugees from other places first. Yes, I agree what they're going through is horrible and no one should have to live or deal with what they're going through. But our country has ignored our own people and veterans for years while helping others. Mark Scott has said, no, it's not our responsibility. It's just something we should do. Nicholas Kane has added, yes, we should. Unlike other refugees, the men are staying to fight and it's the women and children needing refuge. And I'm sure the majority would want to return home if and when it's all over. Well, you can still let us know what you think today by leaving a comment and a reminder, the lowdown is on Facebook. You can also watch it on Twitter as well from six tonight. Also at Kent Online, you can see pictures of landmarks in Kent that have been lit up yellow and blue over the weekend to show support for Ukraine. The Turner Contemporary and Margaret and Rochester Cathedral were among those showing the colours of the country's flag. The Kent Online Podcast with Ballin Maidstone. Other top stories today and a Folkestone man who tried to hide from police after breaking into a co-op store has avoided a prison sentence. Darren Foster tried to steal cigarettes and beer from the shop on Cheriton High Street last September. The 42-year-old from Millfield covered himself with a hoodie when officers turned up. He served five months on remand and because of that has now been released. A prisoner who was found with improvised weapons at a Kent jail has been sentenced to another two years behind bars. Three blades and two phone charges were found during a search of Robert Cokin's cell at HMP Swaleside on Sheppey. The 28-year-old is already serving a 19-year sentence for unlawfully possessing explosives and firearms. A man's been treated in hospital after being attacked by a dog in a country park near Dartford. He was walking as Jack Russell when he was bitten on the leg by a boxer-type dog at Beaconwood in Bean on Friday. Now, a company that runs buses in Kent says an investigation's underway into claims a double 
double-decker crashed into a parked car and drove off. It's said to have happened on Luton Road in Chatham, leaving the vehicle a write-off and the owner unable to go on holiday. Arriva looking into it. Police say they're also aware and inquiries are underway to identify the driver. A Kent mum has told the Kent Online podcast that exams are ruining her dyslexic daughter's future. Alex Castle claims the current format puts children with special educational needs at a huge disadvantage and has set up a petition calling for dyslexic-friendly exam papers. So far, it's been signed by more than 14,000 people. She says changes to papers would make the system much fairer. I sort of assumed that when it came to exams, key exams like GCSEs, that those would be accommodated um, as a protected status under the Equality Act. But in fact, I was shocked to find that there is no dyslexic-friendly format available for exam papers. Reading speed and comprehension is, is, is improved hugely by um, increased spacing and less crowding on the page. Most children want to, to consume text in the same way as their peers. They don't want to be marked out as different. So I think making text accessible you know, uh, in, in, in its formatting should be the first port of call before you even look at other assistive tech. Louise Kennett is an SEN expert and also thinks it's a great idea. I think it's a great step in the right direction, especially for those needs which are quite easily fixed, you know. But I think there's even more that the exam boards can do. You know, there are some children that need more visual kind of demonstrations of the question and actually amending the way they ask for the material. Well, the Joint Council for Qualifications has responded and says tried and trusted access arrangements are already in place and papers are already provided in a range of different formats. The Kent Online Podcast with Ballin Maidstone. A Swanley man who smashed his car into a wall after trying to get away from police has avoided being sent to jail because it took a year to get to court. Michael Fadoju caused £3,000 worth of damage and narrowly avoided a mother and her two children when it happened after officers tried to arrest him in January last year. The 30-year-old from Leechcroft Avenue has been given a suspended sentence and told to do 200 hours of unpaid work. There are calls today for the construction of a controversial housing development near Whitstable to stop until access issues are resolved. Plans for 300 homes at Grasmere Gardens in Chessfield were approved despite nearly a thousand objections. Residents are concerned about road safety and congestion. The council say a decision's already been made and they won't discuss it any further. Tunbridge has been put forward to become the home of a new organisation being set up to oversee the regeneration of Britain's rail network. A national competition's taking place to find a base for Great British Railways. Council bosses say the Kent Town is the perfect location with connections and infrastructure. A shortlist will be announced in May before a public vote. Nine months of work to replace the Orbital Park roundabout in Ashford with traffic lights is due to start this week. Badmonster Rifle Road is being upgraded as part of the project, which residents of the nearby Finbury housing estate say is desperately needed. Most of the work is due to be finished by September, with some resurfacing work to be carried out after that. Also some news from Ashford today, and it's been confirmed the H&M store in the town is going to close. It's been in County Square for the past 14 years, but will shut in a fortnight 
A spokesman for the shopping centre has said the retailer was focusing on their growing online business. Now, the podcast has been told libraries are still playing a critical role in supporting disadvantaged people and children as we come out of the COVID crisis. Despite lockdowns and coronavirus restrictions, all 99 libraries in Kent have been able to reopen and visitor numbers are almost at 80% on pre-pandemic levels. Things like e-books and learning from home have become a heavy feature for youngsters, in particular over the last two years. But Ish has been chatting with Kent's head of libraries, James Pearson. Everybody thinks when they think of a library service quiet and studious. Actually, these are fun, active spaces where everybody can come uh, uh, meet others in an absolutely safe environment. So I encourage everybody to just give, give it a go if they haven't. Check out our website uh, and really see what the modern library service offers. And, and I think, you know, what is the priorities for the library service? Actually, we play a, a critical role, I think, in uh, addressing the impacts of the pandemic. Actually, those most disadvantaged would have been most worse hit by the isolation of lockdowns. Uh, not all school children were able to, to work effectively at, at home. You know, there's a whole host uh, and a mission, if you like, for the library service, I think, to make a difference to those most affected by the, that lockdown. You know, by coming together, you can um, feel less lonely. Equally, a book transports you to another world. It takes you away from uh, the world that you're currently in. And, and people underestimate that. So I see our service role really critical to that. We're part of that ecosystem of helping people um, live, live as best they can. Yeah, and on that note about books, I've always preferred the, the tangible element of being able to open a, a book myself rather than an e-book. So just going forward now, um, you touched on there, it sounds like it's finding that balance between um, you know, pushing the digital elements of, of the service as well, but, but still retaining the roots of having those books and the newspapers and magazines. And you obviously have computers as well, but people at home don't always necessarily have. And like you said, you're, you're trying to, to make sure that those who are disadvantaged have a place to go. How confident are you that you can keep bringing people back? And as, you know, technology is evolving, as um, we've become more immersed with the internet in the past couple of years, being at home, how confident are you that you can keep attracting people, particularly young people as well? And it's a balance, as you said. Um, but what we are doing at the moment is engaging with customers and indeed uh, sort of people that don't use us uh, yet um, about how we can keep evolving the service. It never stands still. It always needs to, to develop. There's always new offers that are coming in uh, along the line. We're just in the middle of launching uh, a new offer for business um, to support businesses around uh, business startup and electoral, intellectual property rights advice um, so that we can and actually sort of do our bit to support um, the, the economic recovery of the county as well. So I think we're always looking for, for new opportunities. You know, the Queen's Jubilee is something we will look forward to celebrating with the, the people of Kent as well. Um, we never stand still. We're always looking for that new angle. And in terms of sort of our, our promotion and advertising, we, we keep looking to reinvent and highlight our offers. You know, the, you know things like um, you know, our, our books, our e-magazines, our e-resources, they're all free for people to access. This, you know, is a really great, uh, you know, offer that we've got. And when you see all the, the, the news about rising inflation and cost of living going up, actually, you know, the, uh, the library service is a really good uh, way uh, of sort of uh, getting, uh, using services which don't need to cost you anything. Uh, just keep, uh, you know, reiterating that. 
access to information, access to reading, access to literacy. And so we will keep reinventing ourselves and welcome um, anybody's sort of thoughts of how we can reach more people, how we can uh, sort of advertise ourselves better. Because I think for us, the core is actually, I think if people understood uh, what we offer, actually we would see more people using libraries and we're keen to develop that. And don't forget, it's also World Book Day later on this week. So expect to see hundreds of children across Kent going to school dressed as their favourite book character. Kent Online News. A fundraising campaign has been launched to help save a Kent restaurant that was badly damaged by Storm Eunice. The plant base in Tunbridge Wells was left with no power and water leaking through the roof when the chimney stack collapsed during those strong winds. The owner's hoping to raise £5,000 to cover repairs. More than a million pounds is going to be used to improve play areas across Kent. New equipment will be installed at Shornwoods Country Park, while sites at Lullingston, Pegwell Bay and Grove Ferry will also benefit. Some play areas will have to be closed, though, while the work takes place. There are calls for the contents of a relatively unknown museum in Maidstone to be put in a new glass gallery so more of us can see them. Historic carriages, including one on loan from the Queen, are currently kept in a barn near Archbishop's Palace, which hasn't reopened after the pandemic. Some want to see them go on display in a purpose-built building at Cobtree Manor. The council say no decision can be made until a report's done into whether it's feasible. And the final season of Killing Eve starts tonight and was partly filmed in Margate. Jodie Comer and Fiona Shaw were spotted shooting scenes there last summer. It's thought the seaside town was used to double up for the Caribbean island of Cuba. Kent Online Sport. Football first and it was a massive win for Gillingham at the weekend. They beat Lincoln City 2-0 thanks to goals from Verdane Oliver and Ben Thompson. It means they're just three points from safety in League One and our sports reporter Luke Cordell caught up with manager Neil Harris after the final whistle. You guys have continuously asked me what, what to expect from the Neil Harris side. I think today was probably it. Um, again, I said maybe, maybe it's not the... the, the the shape I'll choose to play is the personnel we got and it's working for us um, and what we watched today was a physical strong organized structured disciplined side um, that gave nothing to the opponent mm. didn't give an inch or quarter um, to the opponent um, and we had moments of real quality and it was an absolute handful when we put the ball in the box and I like the team to play that way and I think that's what the Gillingham fans want to see I know that's what the Gillingham fans want to see because enough of them have told me <laughs> and I've, I've been beat enough times by the Gillingham sides over the years to know that's what they want um, and, and, and today you know, I thought was a statement result um, just to show the league that we mean business and, and you know, we're, we're going for teams above us and probably ahead of one of the hardest games maybe that you've, you've had so far maybe next weekend against Bolton a team that's doing quite well at the minute yeah Bolton done, done very well um, um, I haven't seen their result today, but prior today, I know they think they've only lost one in ten. Yeah. Um, and actually, fun enough, we'd seen them against Wimbledon and seen them against Lincoln because they played them a yeah, game yeah. prior to us. So, seen a lot of them already. Good side, you know, really good techni- technical football team. Um, spent heavily in January on transfer fees, as we know from Carl going there, yeah. um, but also from wages as well. So, um, um, just another team that's got a big infrastructure, a big football club at this level, but have got the funds to back it up as well by, by name and, and bank balance. Um, they're coming to Priestfield. It's our home. We've got mm. seven points in four and we look forward to the challenge. And you've enjoyed it at Priestfield, haven't you, so far? Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. The lads, lads have loved it. And again, what, what you're going to see from my team next week, absolutely everything. Desire and attitude and, and a will to want to win. Um, um, you know that, that goes without saying, and that's that's five. Hopefully, more than that turn up next week because they're now seeing a team that they can believe in. Mm. Um, five thousand people are going to turn up and, and, and see a, a team that 
You know, they know what they're going to get when they turn up. Win, lose or draw, they know what they're going to get from their players. And uh, when you first took over, there was the gap between your, the team and safety was 10 points. It went down to eight, five. Now it's three. I know, I know you probably don't look at the table, but you're making progress on that score. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard not to see the table when you've got Sky Sports on every, <laughs> every day. My wife's telling me to turn it off when I'm at home. But yeah, of, of course, look, I can say I've not seen the results and you know, I focus on the next game. But I'd be lying to say if I don't, of course, look at the league table and look at the fixtures and who's playing who. Of course I do. I'm a football man um, and, and, and passionate about my job and I want to be successful. Um, but I've come for the long term and you know, I care. I want to win the next game. Um, I want to win every game, to be honest. I want to win every game. So I don't look too far ahead because I just want to be Bolton next week. The Jewels welcome Bolton Wanderers to Priestfield on Saturday. An athletic stadium in Ashford's getting a new £300,000 running track. It'll be the first time the track at the Julie Rose Stadium has been resurfaced since it opened back in 1997. It's after the gym and exercise studio there were refurbished last year. And Gravesend boxer Chevon Clark has won his professional fighting debut at the O2 in London. The 31-year-old beat Croatian Tony Visic with a second-round knockout last night. He had competed for Team GB at last summer's Olympics before signing a pro deal with Eddie Hearn. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. You need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And whilst you're on the site today, you can read about all of the criminals who were jailed in Kent over the past month. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. The Kent Online Podcast with Ball in Maidstone.